0: Well, as our kids head out, if you have a Bible, would you please open it to the book of Philippians, which is on page 980 of the Bibles that are in your seats, or if you're on a phone or a tablet, again, that's going to be uh, Philippians 1. Before we begin, let me pray. Father, we praise you for the privilege of being able to worship together and then to gather around your word, which as we've been singing is precious to us. We pray that now you would please teach us and guide us, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And So, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Jesus Christ who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making, prayer, making my prayer with joy because of our partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all, the affection of Jesus Christ. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment, so that... You may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what's happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and all the rest of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I'm convinced of this. I know I will remain and continue with you all for your joy and progress in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened by anything in your opponents. This is a clear sign of them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. Because it's been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here that I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ. Any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of rivalry or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing be grass, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to work and to will his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling and questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights of the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ it may be found that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. And even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. And likewise, you should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I too may be, che- be cheered by news of you. For I've got no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope to send him, therefore, just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need, because he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So, receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the sake of Christ risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the true circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes through faith, that I might know him and the power of the the resurrection becoming like him in his death, so that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or I've already been made perfect, but I press on and make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God and Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us because many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body, even by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. And therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Pardon me. I entreat Yodi and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the, in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice always in the Lord. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is is pure whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is excellence in anything, if anything is worthy of praise, think about these things. And what you've learned and received and seen and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that now at length you've revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know the secret of being... I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing uh, plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians know yourselves that in the beginning of the gospel, when I first left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my need. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied. Having received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrificial gift, pleasing, acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The saints greet you. Greet every saint in Jesus Christ. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those and Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. As we get together on this first Sunday of 2019, we're in this brief window in which people are talking about New Year's resolutions. It's that time of the year, and I don't know what yours are or what you talked about with friends. Some people have resolutions related to health, you know, getting back into shape. That's the reason why every gym... Uh, Known to Man has a special right now for joining them for the first time. Maybe uh, you've got some new personal commitment to be together with your family more. Today I want to tell you about one of my hopes, one of my hopes, not all, but one of them as our senior pastor here at St. Peter's for 2019, and that, that is that we would be a people who grow even deeper in our knowledge of and our love for the scriptures that we'd be a people who study them, that we would be a people who marinate in them, that we'd be people who honestly wrestle with the parts that, we, that confuse us or that we might not like, that every one of us would be able to get to January 1 of 2020, God willing, and be able to look back and say, I've been reading the Bible for a long, long time, and somehow... God has shown me even more things about himself this year because of the ways that we've been studying him and because of the ways that He sustained me through what we've been going through. Now, it would be totally fair of you to be wondering, why is that a goal of mine? Okay, now obviously, yes, there's a sense I'm a pastor. <laughs> Pastors, of course, love, want people to be reading their Bibles more. But, but why is it that I would want that to be one of our goals as a church family? For example, is it because if you're new here, I'm one of those legalistic pastors? Okay? I want to encourage you that is not the case. Absolutely not. Even having been here for just a month, I know this is not a church where we think that God loves us anymore if we somehow prove ourselves to Him or our our holiness or our goodness. That's not the gospel, that's not us. That's not why I want us to wrestle with this. Or you might be wondering, am I one of those pastors that thinks, above all things, this needs to be a community standing for truth. We need to be a people of truth. And yes, that's true in a sense. The truth is critical. But we read all the time in the Bible, especially the Gospels, about people who knew the truth, and yet they had the truth and right ways of thinking without love. Just think of the Pharisees. And so that's not the main reason. So if those aren't the reasons, why would I be calling us to this in 2019 as this church family? To put it very simply, if if we are not a people who are engaging and growing in the word in this way in 2019, I personally don't know how we are going to handle the different things that this year might bring in our lives. I don't know how we're going to do it. The things that God might bring in my life, the things that he might permit to happen in your life. You know, and and who knows what it could bring. It it could bring unexpected diagnoses. It may be job loss, financial strain, conflict in relationships, or maybe we have a, a son or a daughter that makes a choice that ultimately makes us just feel like failures as parents. Any of these things could happen and the vast majority of them is completely out of our control. What are we going to do and how are we going to respond when those things happen this year? How are we going to face the temptations that all of us experience when those things happen? Which which might be to wonder, is God real? If he's real, is he in control? If he's in control, could he possibly be good? How are we going to wrestle with those things? But not just that, how are we going to wrestle with the good things, which can be equally dangerous for us? Okay, how are we going to wrestle with maybe a huge promotion at work that we never expected, okay, or a, a financial windfall that came out of the blue, or, or maybe, maybe the gift of a, of a spouse, maybe getting married, or maybe the gift of a first child or a grandchild? Now, these are great things, but if they are made to be idols, or if we give them disproportionate amounts of love, rather than God, they're not good things. It's, it's, it's not the way that we're to respond to them, and it's dangerous. How are we going to respond to these things? One of the ways that we'll do so is this gift that God gives us in addition to the power of the Holy Spirit, which we are called to walk in every day, which is the gift of His Word. So that even in the midst of great success, or extreme loss and grief, we might be limping, physically or spiritually, but we're okay, because we know that God's with us. How do we get there by the end of this year? I want to take just a few minutes. I know I've gone on for a while with that recitation of Philippians. I want to take just a few minutes, minutes and suggest a couple ways as we look forward to the year ahead. So that at the end of 2020, we might back at this year and say, this, would, this might have been a totally unexpected year in terms of what came along, what, what God allowed to be on my plate, and yet God is good, and I praise him. Three things. First, one of the best ways that we can prepare for these, of, uh, these kind of situations is simply by memorizing scripture, okay? That is a huge way that we can prepare, and, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be a book, it doesn't have to be chapters or even passages. It might just be a verse here or there. So now I can explain why I started off the sermon that way. Um, a couple years ago, I saw this pastor get up, and he, he, he didn't need any help. <laughs> he knew Philippians like that, did it off the top of his head. And I was completely blown away. And I was blown away because I didn't feel like I'm that smart. Uh, I thought, I could never do this. And yet, in that moment, I thought, you know what? I'm going to try to give that a try, and and, then hopefully I can be encouraged myself and maybe encourage other people. Now, you know why I was able to memorize that? I want to encourage you in this. I did not memorize that, and I know there were parts where I switched verses and a couple words. I did not do it out of strength. I did not do it out of intellectual strength. Those who know me really well know I'm a really forgetful person, Okay. Lauren jokes, two days out of the week, I will walk out of the door with shaving cream on my, on my earlobes. Okay? I'm sure I've greeted some of you on a Sunday morning with that. Okay? I'm just absent-minded. Kevin can't knock on my door and have me invite him to come in without me forgetting. I didn't unlock it. That happens all the time. I have a terrible memory. Okay? So I wasn't able to do it out of intellectual strength. I also wasn't able to do it out of any sort of spiritual strength. I'm not some uni- uniquely holy dude. I'm not. Apart from God's grace in my life, I am just as flawed and broken and needy as anybody else. But I knew if I didn't commit myself to memorizing the scriptures in some way, I'm going to just naturally revert to the guy that I always become who was naturally selfish and and, uh, greedy uh, and, and not loving. Now, I'm very grateful to know that the scriptures are very much, and, and being in them and studying them is already very much a part of your DNA as a church. Uh, I was encouraged when I got here, and I found out that Kevin and uh, Anna were already inviting our teenagers to be studying scriptures. I know they were working on Matthew 5. I think they had one student that memorized Romans 8, another one Revelation 21, I think, maybe Revelation 7. But I was so encouraged to find out this is already a part of who you are. And, and you should know also that our leadership team, as we meet for our weekly meetings on Monday mornings and we're gathered around a table, we're also memorizing scripture together. That's not because we have anything to prove to each other. That's because we want to be united together as a people in the word. And so if that's not something that you're already doing in some way, I just want to encourage you, find, maybe find... Your own way, and again, it can be as simple as a verse a month, maybe a verse a week, but something that means something to you, particularly so that when you're in difficult situations, you know off the top of your head, well, this is exactly when when people are criticizing you, and maybe it's fair, you can be reminded. I know exactly who I am because I know Scripture that reminds me who I am. I'm I'm totally confident because of who Christ is for me. Or when you don't know what to do, you can remember in James when it says, "Pray for wisdom." That is one great way that God will strengthen us and the things he's going to put before us is by memorizing the scriptures. Number two, and this is a corollary of number one, we can grow in our knowledge of the scriptures, and I know this sounds like the Sunday school answer, but by regular study and engagement with the Bible. Just regular study. For some of us, it's really natural for that to be every day. For others of us, it's not. But if we want to grow in our joy and experience of God, which I think we all in theory would agree we want, we have to have some kind of regular engagement with the Bible. And again, it's not, it's not to try to be better Christians or better people or that other people might look at us and think more highly of us. It's because we need to be fed spiritually. I want to give you an example. Has anyone ever heard the word hangry? Okay, 2017, hanger hangry was added to the Oxford English Dictionary, okay, hunger and anger, the status of being irritated because you are hungry. Lauren and I joke about this all the time. Sometimes we'll be in a conversation and I might be a little snappy and she's like, Brian, just asking, have you had something to eat recently? And I'll stop and go, oh my goodness, that's why I'm so angry. I'm hangry. Please, let's go, let's have something to eat now. There is something that happens when we don't gather around the Word regularly, and that is that we get spiritually hangry. We revert, again, that natural inertia of being ourselves in which we put ourselves before God and before other people. And, And one of the things, on the other hand, that happens to us when we sit regularly with the Scriptures is that we slowly... Are conformed to the image of Jesus as we think about them and as we meditate upon them. And so I just want to ask do you maybe have something like that in your own life right now for, for 2019 ahead? Do you have a way of regularly being engaged with the scriptures? I know people that listen to the Bible every day on, a, on a, an, an iPhone or in their car. They have a, a plan. Uh, it's just easier for them to hear things. I know other people that have written out plans. We have, as Anglicans, the lectionary. Okay, we have an amazing system for going through the scriptures. And there are, of course, all other sorts of systems out there. But are we people that are (laughs) regularly feasting upon the word in our own walks with God? That's the second way. And finally, the last way, and this is equally important, not just memorization and regular study, but finally, as we gather as a church family, gathering regularly as a church family, one of the most important things that happens on a Sunday morning, is that as shepherds, we feed, or sorry, Kevin and I are leading us and feeding upon the word together, okay? And the, the degree to which we don't do that, I can't speak for Kevin. I don't have any great insights in a life, I don't have any pithy thoughts or astute observations. I don't have much to say. In fact, the story is told of a, of a well known preacher. He was coming to a Bible conference, he was known internationally. He got there that morning and he stood up and everyone was waiting for his first word and he said, friends, I have terrible news today. I have nothing prepared for you today. I have nothing to say. But this book has a great deal to say. And this morning we're going to gather and open it up together. We don't have that much to lean on. We're pretty young and inexperienced. But this has a great deal. Deal to say, and so I encourage you, if you don't already, consider either using one of the Bibles in the seats, bring your own Bible, have a device, do something, so that as we gather during this time of of uh, worshiping through the proclamation of the Word, we're able to see. And as Jesus says in John's Gospel, then we His sheep are fed. His sheep are fed by their shepherds. And so, oh, I should add to that. I'm sorry. of course, there are other opportunities. I do not at all want to pretend like Sunday mornings is the only opportunity for us to gather together and get into the Bible. Many of you know about the Bible studies we have going on this week. I believe most of them are restarting or starting up again for 2019 this week. Please do take advantage of those. Go visit one if you haven't been before. They're unbelievable. I'd like to go to all of them every week, and I'm not just saying that because I'm the pastor. I really would like to go to all of them, but I can't. They sound great. So please consider visiting one of those. Please Um, it would be such a wonderful thing if after the service, if there's a way that a scripture has been encouraging you, pull aside a friend and tell them about it. And don't feel like you're Flanders on the Simpsons or too holier than someone else. It's not awkward, okay? Because we're going to be a people that are shaped by the word. And so as I close, just an important clarification. As I pray that we will increase and continue to be a people growing in the word in 2019. Do not hear me wrong. This is not not about performance. Amen? This is not about legalism. If we think that we have to uh, know our Bible better or uh, be really good in Bible study or small group or anything, and we have to prove ourselves in this other church family, uh, we're going to die. This is not going to be a fun place to be. And, And most importantly... We know that we already have God's approval in Christ. That's what we were singing about earlier. It talked about a confidence that we have. If we are in Christ, the New Testament says, we have been adopted as sons or daughters. And I don't look at our our eight-month-old son in two days, and I don't look at him, and if he's had a lot of dirty diapers that day, I'm not disappointed in him, okay? I might pass him off to others, But it doesn't, I hope hope I'd change him. Um, But my love is the same. I've been so struck anew by, it sounds so cliche when people say, oh, I have my first kid, now I understand the love of God. That's what's going on in my life right now. It really is. I adore him because he is mine. And when we talk about growing in our knowledge of the word, this is not because we're seeking to prove ourselves to one another or to God. It's because we were created for relationship with him. And that's one of the ways that we can get to know him. So I pray and I plead, will you all continue in the zeal that has been so obvious that you have for God's word in 2019, that again, should Jesus not come back, we get to 2020 and we can look back and say, what a year. There were some things that were really great. There were some things that were devastating. But my God is with me. And I know so because I hold true to his promises to his people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.